You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. Because <laughs> I guarantee you there's some that didn't. Um, Bibles, in your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4, put your thumb there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible, a blue Bible, should be in the seat rack close to you, <coughs> excuse me, um, and that is our gift to you. So put your name in it, bring it back next week. That's page 1010 in the blue Bible, all right? And we're looking at today a scripture text that is weird and scary to some of you, um, or it should be anyway. Uh, somebody in staff meeting, I think it was Tim, asked me what I was preaching on this week, and uh, I said, the title's going to be Give to God or God will kill you. And, <laughs> and you'll see why I said that. Now, that's a joke. Don't write that down. Um, but actually, the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, we got that cool little note thing, that notebook out there you can get, I think, uh, still out there for uh, suggested donation of $10. And that's a notebook for our whole series in the book of Acts, which will be in for a good part of the year. Um, the title blank, the title's a bit tamer, but the principle is there. When my church is under fire. When my church, we see today a church that's under fire from the fire of Satan, and uh, that's the name, when, when my church is under fire. So if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're in this really cool, at least I think it's really cool, I'm having a good time, uh, series on the book of Acts in the New Testament uh, that we're calling the church on fire. And you'll see what that means in a second, but we had, uh, the, how many of you have been around 30 years or more? 30 years or more here at Point Harbor. Not been around, but been around at Point Harbor. I was like, yeah, I'm, all, right, all right, all right, I need to be specific to you all. You're literalists. All right, Thir yeah. So uh, somewhere around, uh, it was close to around 30 years ago, we had a fire here. The church was on fire, all right? And it wasn't the Holy Ghost. It was um, one of our staff members, I won't mention his name, he's not with us anymore. Um, <laughs> ladies were selling candles, you know, little scented candles raising money for something. Oh, so this pastor bought a candle and he lit the candle and he liked the candle. The candle smelled good. And then he went to lunch and forgot and left the candle lit. And when he got back, the church was on fire. The FBI and uh, the ATF were called um, and nobody knew we weren't going to, I wasn't here at the time. I was pastoring in Michigan. We weren't going to tell them what happened, but the stinking news media, they got these microphones that can pick you up across the parking lot. And they heard the pastor talking to, 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 the, to that other pastor about it and then reported that. And he was all embarrassed and all, we ribbed him and all, but, um, you know, God, God was in it. But yeah, that back part over there burned that went around the old auditorium and the old offices, actually. So, but many of you grew up in churches that weren't on fire. Um, you know, cold, dead churches. You've never really experienced, hopefully till now, a church that's on fire. And, you know, you might say, well, John, I'm new to this, so what, what is exactly a church if it's not, you know, burning? What does a church on fire look like? In, in the book of Acts, we've already looked at this, but we'll go back, Acts chapter 2, 
When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, this is the disciples after Jesus died, you know, on the cross, went to the grave, resurrected after three days, and then ascended 40 days later into heaven. Now they're left, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? But the day of Pentecost comes when the Holy Spirit is going to come on the church. They were all together, and it's interesting, all through the book of Acts, you see this. This is huge. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, they were hiding kind of behind locked doors, and divided tongues as of, what's this? Say it louder, say it louder. Fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They're like little candles, I guess. And they were all filled. It was, it was a visible symbol of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And what that did is that turned these scared new believers into bold proclaimers of Jesus, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now go to Acts 4. Hopefully you, you've been there. Acts 4. We're going to pick it up in verse 32 and move into chapter 5. If you're there, say I'm there. All right. So this is after all this stuff has happened and they've been persecuted now. You know, they've been out preaching. They've been persecuted. They've been thrown in jail, uh, Peter and John. They got out of jail. They come back to the church. They have a meeting. And then it says after this, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And great power, great what? great power, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, great what? Grace Grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, interesting, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Wow, this is an amazing church, right? Thus Joseph, then it points out one of them that did it. Joseph, who's also called by the apostles Barnabas, we see him a lot in the book of Acts later, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, brought the money, all of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But, chapter 5, verse 1, but, you should underline but, a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece, did the same thing, of property, and with his wife knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why is Satan who? Satan Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man but to... God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. He died in church. And, and the next verse is kind of funny. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose up and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. The young dudes coming in, you know, like uh, you young dudes sit on the front here. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we want to do something. What can we do? Well, you can bury this one. They're like, that's Ananias. What happened? So, After about, verse 7, an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, Sapphira, and not knowing what had happened, and Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much, and she said, yes, so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you've agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young dudes are coming back like, wow, that was weird. Well, glad that's over. 
<laughs> they come in and find her dead, and they carried her out, buried her beside her husband. And great fear, second time it's mentioned, came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard of these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, that's a big part of the temple, kind of an extension, huge thing, and so they met there for church. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem, and, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were, God bless you, all healed. So that's the, that's the text in Acts 4. And this is, you know, I mean, goodness, that was rough. That's a rough church service. We had a lady die here years ago in church. Now, I'm not saying she was lying to Jesus at all. Again, I was in, um, I think it was in Bible college at this time, off at Bible college. And a uh, nice lady, she played the uh, piano and the organ. And for Sunday school, remember back in the day, Sunday school and then worship service, she was playing the piano for Sunday school. And then she was going to come over for the worship service and play the organ, and somebody else was going to play the piano. And she's, so she's walking to people to fellowship, and you know, they're getting ready to start the service. And right there, now it's a different building, right there she died. <laughs> Massive heart attack. And we had EMTs in the, in the congregation. They, they couldn't bring her back. And it affected that church, Pastor Hardaway told me, for months and months, just seeing that and going through that, you know, even though that was not because of something um, that, that she did wrong. So, John, how can I tell when a church is on fire or if it's cold and dead? Easy peasy. And this text shows you. So I've got three big points and some sub points, all right, because I'm a preacher. You always have to have three. <laughs> Number one, when God's church is on fire, and you're not going to see this one until I show it to you, membership is important. When God's church is on fire, membership is important. Some of you members should say amen. Oh, that was pathetic. Membership's important. Oh, thank you. Where'd you get that, John? Where'd you get that? Well, in the first verse of, uh, or the 32nd verse of Acts, now when the full number of those who believed were of one heart and, and one soul. So talk about the full number. So there's a number that you can number, right? Well, John, I've been told the Bible doesn't say anything. I hear this all the time. It just frosts my grits. I, 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 the Bible doesn't say anything about church membership. Oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> You've been told wrong. You've been told wrong. There's, there is no verse that says, you know, thou shalt join Point Harbor and what thou doest do quickly. All right. There's not one. All right, I'll give you that. But, but, but an honest reading of the New Testament will prove local church membership is evident throughout and an important next step in your spiritual walk with Jesus. The reason that some of you are kind of just, you know, stuck in the mud spiritually is because this, this could be it. Either you're not submitting to this or not submitting to baptism, many of you. Oh, that's not important. It's important to Jesus. He's supposed to be your Lord, Right? Lord means master, Lord means boss of me. Except he's not, is he really? Some of you. Acts 2. Well, where do you get all this at? Acts 2. Those who believed, now we're going back earlier in Acts. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. All right, some of you need to get 
baptized. We had well, how many? 21 last week. Baptized. Amen. Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> baptized and what? Say that word. Added to the church. About 3,000. Boom. In one day. They, what's this word? Joined with other believers. Well, that doesn't, it's not really talking about church membership. It's talking about them being added to some role, somehow, and joining a group. Yeah? All right, whatever you want to call it. First Corinthians 14, he says, hey, we got, you know, an issue. And so if the whole church, the what kind of church? The whole church comes together. There's got to be a way for you to figure out who the whole church is. These churches, a lot of times mega churches, oh, we don't believe in membership. How do you do anything? Seriously. How, how do you deal with issues? How do you affirm budgets? How, you know, how, how do you do any of these things? You have to have, well, I don't believe in organization. Well, God did. First organization, family. Second organization, Israel. Or no, government, excuse me, government. Then Israel, then the church. Those are God's ideas, not man's. You know, just because you know, man screws up God's organization doesn't make God's organization bad. Well, I love Jesus, I just don't love the church. And that's like saying, hey, John, I love you, but I really kind of despise Robin. <laughs> it is. Because the church is the bride of Christ. You talk bad about God's church, you're talking bad about the bride of Jesus. Those are fighting words, amen? So some of you need to wake up, smell the coffee. So this showed, this showed that they could determine who, what, who belonged and who didn't. 1 Peter 5, verse 12. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds of God's what? Flock that is under your care. All right, let, let me try some. I'll try an experiment next Sunday. I won't be here. Well, I will, but I, if I wasn't, I could do an experiment. I could go over to just pick a church. I don't know. Shout, shout out to church. Point, no, Point Harbor. I'm going to be here. You, you're blowing me up here. Huh? El, El, no, not El Salvador. Believers. Thank you. Okay. Go over to Believers. And I walk in there and say, hey, how y'all doing? And some of them know me because you know, we've been around a while. And, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? What you going to do? Well, I'm going to preach. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, Pastor Jamie's going to preach. No, man. No, I decided I'm going to preach. Lord told me I'm going to preach. Do you think they let me preach? No, not if they're smart. <laughs> that's not my flock that's believers flock good news flock over here you know western branch flock over there those are different flocks with different shepherds with different people under your care you say well I believe in the universal church John I'm all about the universal church I'm a member of the universal church that's all that matters <clears throat> right now there is no universal church I know it's going to blow some of you up there is no universal church. There's a church being formed that's universal. What does the word church mean? Ecclesia in the Greek. It means a called out assembly. That's what church literally means. When is the whole church, all Christians going to be called out? Help me. Rapture. That's when the church, universal, assembles. Right now it's in embryonic form in the form of local churches with local shepherds. That's what Jesus died for. And so I, I, if I, the Bible talks about in Hebrews that the pastor is going to give an account for his sheep someday. So am I supposed to give account to some of Pastor Jamie's weirdos over there? <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. I had, I had nothing to do with that, man. I, I didn't know you. I couldn't counsel you. You're over there. I'm over here. 
You understand? It's starting to make sense now. All right. So, we, we don't listen to that. There is no such thing as church membership in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. But there's, there's never the word rapture in the Bible either. Do you understand that? Well, I believe the rapture because the rapture is all through the Bible. It just never calls it the rapture. Shepherds know their sheep. Now, Eric Lane, this, this helped me out a lot. I like this. In, one of, in his book, it says, a family that sat down at its meal table or locked its doors at night, not knowing who's supposed to be there and who was not, would be an extremely strange phenomenon. An army battalion that did not know who to expect on parade would soon be in chaos. If the church is to be a true family, true family, and an effective fighting force, it needs to know exactly who belongs to it. And I got 27 more pages of notes on church membership that I could download to you. But I think you get the point, yeah? Say, I get the point. All right, you didn't want to hear that 27 pages. I do, seriously. Send me a thing, I'll, I'll shoot them to you. They're not all mine, but it's just some good stuff. So God is a lot more serious about his church than I am. So I should sink my heart up with his, amen? God loved, Jesus loved the church, died for it. Well, matter of fact, let me show you that text, this is the church that Jesus died for. Pastors, guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock. His church purchased with his own blood. Do you think Jesus loves the church? Jesus died for the church over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. So the church is, is, is God's plan A for reaching the world. And guess what? There is no plan B. If the world is going to be reached, evangelized, it's going to be through God's local churches, or not at all. And God's going to see to it that it happens. But Satan realizes that. Satan believes in the church more than some of you do. He understands the importance of the church a lot more than a lot of you do. And so that's why he tries to minimize God's church. And Satan has been effective in some of your lives and your hearts. Oh, you come to church, right, and attend church. Glad to see you. Maybe even give to the church, but you haven't committed to be a part, a member of his local church. How about making Satan mad and God glad by officially committing to God's local church, amen? amen. Becoming a genuine part, a member in what God is doing here so that we can know that we can count on you and you can know that you can count on us. A church on fire for God in Hampton Roads and in the world. I double dog dare you. Because you do it for other things. You, you, you got a Sam's Club membership, most of you. You signed up for that. You didn't say, I just believe in the universal Sam's Club. <laughs> Could go to any Sam's Club I want to or they ought not stop me at the door. No, they stop you at the door, don't they? <clears throat> Darlene Holmes, I don't know if she's here today. Been in this church for years, years since she was that tall. You go in, Sam's, if she's still working there, you go in Sam's Club, she'll card me. She does. Hey, Darlene, how you doing? How can I see you? I'm like, Darlene, it's your pastor. <laughs> Gotta see your ID. <laughs> Sam's Club card. All right, Darlene. Darlene gets it. You join the YMCA or some, you know, weightlifting thing. Signed up. Gave them all your stuff. A, a monthly subscription to Netflix. You didn't just know, some of you do. You use your kids' Netflix passwords. <laughs> Signed up for the Cub Scouts. How about at least giving God the same respect for his church, huh? Application. Write this down in your application box in the 
flip side of your page. I need to take my next spiritual step and join Point Harbor Church. I need to take my next spiritual step. If this is the church, you ought to pray about it. Don't just join because you came here and you like it. But say, God, is this a, 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 there is a church for every believer. There is a, a pen for every sheep. If you are out wandering around, just wandering around, little wandering sheep, guess what you are? Wolf food. <laughs> and lost. Wandering around. There's some of you wander over to this pen, wander over to that pen, wander over to this next pen. Next Sunday, you watch some pen on TV. And then you get in the hospital and you wonder why no shepherd comes to visit ya. Because you don't really have a shepherd. And if you believe in the universal church or the invisible church, some people call it, well then when you're in the hospital, call the invisible pastor. <laughs> God's word makes sense, people. Right? It just makes sense. So, how do I join? How do I join? Hey, next week we're doing memberships. Already got, I think, what, well, I don't know, 12 at least, last I heard. People joining, hit that QR code in front of you with your device, and it'll take you to, you know, I'd like to join, all right? Do that. I double dog dare you, because you need to, because it's God's will. If this is the church, if this ain't the church, then you need to figure that out and go to the church. That, and it's, we're not the church for everybody. You know, I kind of wish we were, you know, but we're not. And, and every church has a different flavor. And every church has sometimes different ministries. And sometimes those ministries are going to meet your needs better. I have sent people from this church to other churches when they said, John, we got this need. I'm like, yeah, we can't meet that need right now. But I do know a church down the road that's, and, you know, and I hate to lose you, but I want you ministered to more than I want to lose you. And sent, sent you know, several families over the years out that way. So there's a church for you. You got to find it, all right? How do I find it? By prayer and by maybe paying attention to this message, right? When God's church is on fire, membership in God's church is important. And when God's church is on fire, unity is present. Unity is present. And verse 32 of chapter 4. Now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. Unified. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. But, but get this, unity is not conformity. It's not conformity. What do you mean conformity? If you ever go to a church, you're you know, traveling or something on a Sunday, you decide to go to this church, and you open the door, and you walk in there, and everybody is dressed exactly the same and looks exactly the same, run. <laughs> it's a cult. <laughs> All right, you, you look, at, look, at, look, at, look at everybody. Look, look around, look around, look around. These people are different, aren't they? You got different folks. Unity's not conformity. We got white folks. We got pasty white folks. We have black folks, brown folks. Right now, El Sembrador is meeting their first church service in the back, yeah, in the back building. Those folks' culture is different than mine. Some of them are from Peru, and I'm not, I'm not making fun, I'm just telling you the truth. They eat things differently than I eat. They eat cooey. Cooey is, is, help me. Guinea pig. I start to say groundhog. It's guinea pig. You're like, I have guinea pigs at home. They're my pets. Well, don't invite one of these brothers over. <laughs> now, I was over. Pastor Dan, I have a picture of Pastor Dan eating. He's just coming down. You can see the eyeballs on this little thing. It's looking up. It's fried. I wasn't that brave, but I had cooey in my soup so I could say I had cooey, right? I had it, done it, been there, but I ain't going to order it at Red Lobster. 
But you judge those brothers and sisters, but some of you, speaking of Red Lobster, you go to Red Lobster, and you love you some lobster. You know what folks call, a lot of folks call lobsters? The cockroach of the sea. It's down there at the bottom, just like a cockroach. And some people say, well, it's really kind of related to a cockroach way back. So enjoy your red cockroach. Let people judge you. Unity's not conformity. We, they were unified in passion and purpose, right? And Satan attacks here too. Well, I've seen him do it. Tries to sow division and gossip. We have, <laughs> we have our annual business meeting coming up. Pastor Dan's favorite time of the year. Annual business meeting. You'll be finding out about it. It'll be after the second service. And some of you, some of you, oh, the annual business meeting. I want to make sure I'm there. And you want to make sure you're there because that's, in your experience at other churches, the most well-attended meeting of the year, even more than Easter, because everybody knew there was going to be fight. There going to be a drama. It was going to be amazing. You could talk about it for months. Not here. Not here. We rejoice in what God's doing. We report to you what God's done via your giving. Your ROI, return on in spiritual investment. We present the report. We affirm the officers and next year's budget. And then we go happily home praising God. And it rarely takes us 30 minutes. Yeah. We got some good business meeting right here. Why? Because Point Harbor is unified. We ain't perfect, but we're unified. We are unified. When, when God's church is on fire, unity is present. Amen? It's not perfect. You're going to get folks, you know, they got their, their, their whatever out of joint, you know, at times. You're going to have little things. People, me, 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 me. When we went through COVID, oh, Lord. Some of you, you thought Facebook was your chance to be a star. Tell all your amazing opinions. And some of you, I'd love you. You just need to never touch a computer again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I got off Facebook. Well, I was on Facebook for a little bit in COVID. I thought, I need to keep up with my people. And then after a while, I'm like, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Unity is present. When God's church is on fire, also preaching is potent. Preaching is potent. What do you mean potent? Acts 4.33. And with great power, this is the Greek word, megas, dynamos, dynamos, yes, dyn, yeah, you know, mega, mega, great power, dynamos, from which we get the word dynamite. With great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. Not politically correct preaching, but potent preaching, powerful preaching. First Timothy or 2 Timothy, excuse me. You can write this address down. This is huge. This is to every preacher. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. In other words, preach, you're going to stand before Jesus someday. Preach the what? Preach the culture? Preach the fad? Preach the book about the word? Preach the what? Word. Be ready in season and out of season, when you feel like it and when you don't. Reprove, get in their faces. You're doing wrong. Rebuke, you need to be slapped. And, <laughs> and exhort, let me give you a hug. <laughs> With complete patience and teaching, he continues, for, because, here's the reason why, the time is coming, can we say 2024? When people will not endure sound teaching, but will have, with having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the 
truth and wander off into myths. 2024. It's happening in their day. It's happening probably even more now. If you've been around for a while, you know that we don't back away from preaching God's word. We don't. Sometimes I'd like to, honestly. There are some things that I had to bring that I, coming in, were like, oh, dear God. My worst week of my life is preparing this message. Because I know I'm going to tick some people off. I know that some people are going to leave. I know that. I've gone into the pulpit knowing, all right, this is the last time there's going to be some folks here. I didn't know exactly who. I had a couple of ideas on that sometimes. Depends on the, the topic. We got to preach God's word, amen? amen? Now, you say that, but then when it hits your family and pastor says something from the pulpit, some of you change your minds. Some years back, one of our lay leaders in one of our ministries, kids, one of the kids' ministries, nice lady, not here anymore, on Facebook, outed herself as being in a relationship with another woman on Facebook. And I find out about it. I'm like, oh, dear Lord. And, 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 and the bad thing was a bunch of kids were liking it. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's awesome. You have a girlfriend. Now, if you're new here and you're like, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Remember, we're a church that preaches the Bible. We're a church of love, but we're a church of, uh, if I'm going to tick you off, I'm, I'd rather tick you off than tick Jesus off. Amen. And so she's basically saying that she's in a relationship with another woman. She was a woman, young woman. A bunch of our kids and a few of our leaders who should have known better, not staff, lay staff, liked it. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. So I met, I, at least one other pastor met with her and her family. We said, hey, you know, here's what God says. We had a meeting and we're loving, we tried to love her, but I said, hey, guess what? You, you can't serve as a leader anymore. You can't. And by the way, you just made me change my message for Sunday because you made it public. You made your sin public. And if I don't respond, people are going to think I'm down with it. And we've already got people who in our church are down with it. So I need to address this as publicly it was put out. And, and, and then, since it had been on Facebook for the whole church to see, I had to address it to the church that Sunday. So I brought a loving biblical message on the Sunday after it happened, without using her name, but many people knew, because she'd made it public. Guess what that Sunday was? Mother's Day. Stinking Mother's Day. I couldn't let it go away. Mother's Day. Hello, moms. Happy Mother's Day. Let's talk about being gay. John, that was rough. I bet she, never, she left and she never came back. Upshot, her and her lady friend, because we handled it with love, but also with truth, came and said, hey, could we just attend the church? I know we can't be members anymore or whatever, but can we just attend the church? We like this church. I said, as long as you're not, you know, as you, you're coming and you want to wrestle with what God's saying for your life, and you're not trying to promote a lifestyle choice, then yes, you are more than welcome. And so they did. And months later, if not maybe a year later, we had a meeting. They called a meeting with, with several of us pastors and said, hey, we want you to know we are committing to purity in our lives. That's what the preaching of God's word does. Amen. When it hurts, when it slaps you upside the head, when it hurts, 
you because it hurts one of your kids or your kid's lifestyle choices? Don't you think when I deal with these things or with, with um, transsexualism and some of you, your kids are going in there, they're in that temptation, they're wrestling with that, and you are torn between God's word and your child. You better choose wisely. You better choose wisely. Are you saying I should reject my child? No, no. You should have unconditional love for your child. Unconditional love. But do not ever try to edit God's word for your kids or your spouses or your lifestyle choices. That's not your right. It's not my right. Amen? When God's church is on fire, the preaching is potent. And when God's church is on fire, grace is evident. In Acts 4.33, it says this, and great grace, another mega word, megas, charis, great grace, mega grace, was upon them all. Because, man, they were, they were getting it. They were doing it. They were saying, all right, God, we're going to preach the hard truths. We're going we're to stand bold. We're going to fulfill our commission, our great commission of giving the gospel. Great grace was upon them all. What, what, is, what does that mean, though, John? That sounds so, you know, preachery. Grace is really the desire and power to do the will of God. You wouldn't or couldn't, you wouldn't even want to do the will of God had not the grace of God moved into your heart, amen? You wouldn't. It's all his doing. You're just responding to him doing stuff in your heart. Another definition of, of grace, excuse me, it's the loving spirit of Jesus. The loving spirit of Jesus Christ. And you know one thing that I, I, I hear about our church that I love to hear people say, just come up to me and say, hey man, I tell you what, John, this, Point Harbor is a loving church. Point Harbor is a loving church. And you are. Where, where does that love come from? It's God's grace in action, God's grace in your heart. So you want to be graceful, amen, people? You want to be graceful? You know, God is doing some cool things. I'll have you noticed we've got a lot more new faces. I mean, when COVID hit, you know, y'all went, I don't know where y'all went. You were in your bunny slippers, you know, posting online, hey, that's John. <laughs> I had to get in your face and go, hey, it's time to come back. Come back to me, come back. Two-thirds of you did. One-third, we don't know where they're at. We got APBs out for them. Seriously, I don't know. In every church, we, other churches. Uh, Tom went to a conference, Tom and Nancy, and he said, yeah, man, the mega church, like 16,000. They said, we lost like 4,000 people. Boom, gone. Don't know where they're at. It's because they were given permission to not come to church and be patriotic. Good Americans, right? So we, we shut down for a little while, and then afterwards, we were like, I think the first church around saying, yeah, we ain't doing this anymore. Well, Pastor John, and, and I don't want to go, oh, I should, oh, A lot of the stuff we were told was not true. Amen. All right? Just saying. Just saying. No matter what side of the aisle you're on. So, but we have a lot of folks coming back. New folks, right? We had to bring in chairs. The chairs, we took the chairs out. Now we got to bring the chairs along the aisle uh, over. And, you know, we've been talking about three services. I'm like, oh, man, it's going to kill me. Three services. <laughs> so we're talking about that. We, but we're going to try to maximize what we got, uh, uh, you know, while we can. So, but here's, here's, because of that, because of what God's doing, there are some, uh, you need to show some love, practical grace opportunity, and here it is. We want you, if you call Point Harbor your home, all right? You new folks, just disregard. Plug your ears. Sit close. What does that mean? That means don't take the best seats on the outside, you scallywags. Now, I know. I do this. I do this all the time. If I go to a church, I'm going to be on the aisle because I don't know if they're going to hand out snakes. 
and I want to be able to go quick. If you're stuck in the middle with a bunch of, you know, old ladies on each end, you, you're going to have a snake. So, but please, if you would, sit. Don't take the best seats. All right, remember Jesus said, don't take the best seat. Sit at the end of the table, and then people will go, oh, come on up, man. All right, so honor God in that. Squeeze in there so that new folks, because there's nothing more embarrassing than being a new folk. You're in a new church, you're scared to death. And then you're looking around, and the only seats are, you know, past four, y'all. Sitting there all doing man-spreading. Right? So, <laughs> sit squished in, if you would, you, you folks have been. And park far, what is that? That's over at Sam's Club. Amen? That is. I'm telling you the truth. It's a Sam's Club. I parked it this morning in the rain. I'm not asking you to do what I don't do. When Miss Robin drives this separately, she will park over there too. We have a shuttle, all right, for the second service, in between the first and the second service. Right now, we don't need one as much for the early service. That's why I walked through the rain this morning. But park right over there, the closest, you know, by, what, what, Chili's, right? Right on the other side of Chili's. Park there, and we have a shuttle. And then that way, why, John? Because we've been at 100% for the last, what, three, four weeks in the, in the parking lot at the second service. But the bad thing is that when folks come in, and, 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 and Matt tells me this sometimes, hey, there's somebody that came in, and they looked, and they looked, and I'm pretty sure it was a new person, and they drove around, and they couldn't find a parking space, and I saw them just drive out. And that was possibly somebody who needed Jesus real bad. So don't be the reason because you want to park close. All right, walk, walk. Unless, unless you're, you know, infirmed or a mom with kids. Husband, husband, be a man. Drop your wife and your kids off and then park over there. All right, double dog dare you. And if you don't do it, I'm going to look at you when I go out in the parking lot. I'll just look at you. <laughs> Scallywag. All right. <laughs> When God's church is on fire, membership's important, and unity is present, preaching is potent, and God's grace is evident, and when God's church is on fire, here we go, giving is exorbitant. Giving is exorbitant. I don't even know what exorbitant means. It means exceeding the customary limits. It's like more than is expected. Whoa, man, I can't believe that. That's what we see in Acts, what's going on in this new church that's on fire, filled with the Holy Spirit. There wasn't a needy person among them. Um, as many were owners of lands, houses sold and brought the proceeds of what was sold. Now, this is not just your average, you know, giving campaign. This is them selling houses and lands. This would be like some of you selling your $300,000, $400,000 home and going, here, we have an offering. And I love this, I love this. They sold it, and then they laid it at the apostles' feet. I think we ought to start doing offering like that. I'll just stand up here, and you come and lay it at my feet. We, we're not big, and we have offering boxes. We didn't pass plates, all right? <coughs> we have offering boxes, or most of our folks give online. I was in a church, <laughs> I won't say where, in Portsmouth, in Churchland, but won't say where past that, and... I, 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 you know, I came in and I knew somebody that was on the platform. I knew him. That's so we were on vacation. And so, you know, I, if I come here, I'm not really on vacation. So I went over there and it came time for the offering and the deacons came, big church, came down the aisle with white gloves. And I'm like, uh-oh, they're taking the offering seriously. What are they doing with white gloves? They need the white gloves to pass the plate? No, no. They came to each aisle and said, and you got up, and you walked to the front, in front of God and everybody, 
right in front of the pulpit, and there was the offering thing there, and you put in your offering. And I'm like, dear Lord God. And I'm reaching in my pants because I usually don't carry cash. I'm like, oh no, praise God, I found $3. And I was, it was me, Robin, and Janelle. Oh God, you are so good. So they came to our aisle. By that time, I'd said, here, take a dollar. I said, fold it up so it looks like a 20. I did. <laughs> you cared about what they thought. I know I sinned in that moment. I'm sorry. It's just like some of you do every week, right? But I'm like, man, they are serious about this stuff. And we did. We had to go in front, and I got up to the front, and I saw the guy on the platform, and I'm like, hey, and he's, hey, I'm like, hey, look at this. I got this. Putting this in right here. <laughs> Let me... Stop for a second to praise you folks, though. We uh, last week had our largest tithe giving since May of 2022. Amen? Yeah. Almost twice the weekly average. Yeah. And had a global missions offering on top of that of $3,200. Yeah. So, I mean, God is, you know, God is doing some cool things. From our prayer requests last week, if you have a prayer request, you ought to put them, uh, you know, on, uh, either on the little card or online. A lady, I won't mention her name, please pray for the sanctification of my widow's tithe. She's a widow. My kids and I live on a limited income, but I can testify to God's provision in my life. I specifically pray for my conviction to never waver. Whew. Some of you need to jump on that board, on that boat. Here's one of our dudes. I thought this was, kind of, I thought this was cool. He says, I realized we were budgeting for Netflix and whatnot, and missions got cut first reprioritizing missions before Netflix and committing to work more hours if necessary. Amen? He gets it. Last year, this church, Pastor Earl, if you don't know who Pastor Earl is, he's one of our uh, ministry partners down in Nicaragua. We've been with for like, I don't know, 13, 15 years. And he was paralyzed in a horrible accident. And in two services between you folks, we raised, these people here, raised $50,000 on top of your tithes and regular giving to send to Pastor Earl. 50K, amen? And it is such a privilege to pastor a church like this. So let me drop real, real quickly three, three huge truths about this thing of giving on you, all right? And you might, you're gonna have to write fast if you're gonna write these down. God knows the truth about my giving. That's what this whole passage should tell you. God sees what you're giving or not giving or how you're giving it. Sees your heart in giving. This, this, the, the, the offering that this guy gave, it wasn't even a tithe. He didn't have to do it. It wasn't, it wasn't commanded. It was just a free will offering. He just wanted the props. God knows the truth about my giving. Next, my giving impacts my family. Your giving impacts your family. It does. If, from God's end, but also uh, uh, your kids seeing what really counts in your life. And then this, the fear of my powerful God will fix my problematic giving. The fear of my, the, the awe, the phobos of my powerful God will fix my problematic giving. So let me just take one more time to do a, a mission card, mission giving shout out. We've been, you know, we've had the missionaries in. We've, we're starting the services there right now in the, uh, uh, we had to remodel that. You ought to look, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing what they did. They were up here till like two o'clock this morning working on that, fixing that thing up for this. And, and they're excited. 
but you can get involved. If you've not gotten involved in mission giving yet, I think there's a card in the seat back close to you. Take that home, pray about it. Get involved in monthly, whether however you do it, you know, bi-weekly, weekly, but monthly, and let us know so we can know, okay, can we do this? Giving on top of your tithe, amen? Somebody say amen. amen. All right, still with me? Okay, a church on fire, that's what we're talking about. Satan hates a church that's on fire by God and for God. Why? Because, well, multiple reasons. One thing is, he's losing. He loses to churches that are on fire. He loses territories, strongholds, souls, families, marriages. So he's just not going to sit back if you're a threat. He's not going to sit back. He'll go on the attack because we are in a war. Say it back to me. We're in a war. We are in a war, spiritual war, whether you like it or not. And, and, and so big number two, when God's church is under fire, first of all, Satan will attack from the outside. That's what he's been doing. You know, attacking the, from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, uh, all these muckety-mucks, the politicians, the Romans. But these young baby Christians, none of them have been Christians longer than three years, had the audacity to pray for boldness to keep, you know, attacking Satan's strongholds and territories. Not just to huddle back and, oh, no, no, no. But no, we're going to go on the offense. We're going to take it to him. We're going to take away souls, minds, hearts. So when that tactic didn't work for Satan, Satan will attack from the inside. How does he do that? Well, we saw it. Good old Ananias. Acts 5, verse 1. But, but. So all this going on, man, it's cool. Oh, man, God's doing amazing things. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some for himself. Some of the proceeds brought only a part of it. In, in the kept back, it's the Greek word nosfizo, and it basically means embezzle. What do you mean? It's his, it was his money, John. I know, yeah, but he tried to make it sound like that's all he got for it. And so that part he kept for himself secretly because he wanted the, he wanted the, 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 the applause of folks. God saw him as basically an embezzler. Wanted the praise of Barnabas without the price of Barnabas. Satan will attack from the inside. He's promised in, in Acts 20, we'll see in a little while, further down the, in, in the book of Acts, pastors, this is Paul, got a bunch of pastors, he's leaving them, he said, you'll never see me again, Here's, here, let me give you some final words of wisdom, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the, what's this word? Flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And then he says, here's the reason why you need to. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So they were coming from the outside and from among your own selves. From the inside will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. I saw this firsthand when I took my uh, first church I pastored in Michigan told many of you about it, little country church, got there as a new pastor and realized there was a wolf in the flock, knew they had problems, but it, it took two years to go through the process. Wolf in the flock, had to deal with that as a young pastor. And then after we dealt with that issue, had found out the church secretary of 20 years had been embezzling for probably all 20 years. Inside jobs. That's what Satan does. Got a hold of this wolf's heart, made him a teacher in this little church, got rid of the last pastor because of that wolf's gossip, and then got a hold of that lady's heart years before, 
she was just stealing and we had proof when we what we could prove was what was like $21,400 in a little church of 60 that's what we could prove that's Satan's MO Satan attacks God's sheep. That's his MO. That's, that's a huge reason why some of you need to quit being a wandering sheep or, or a visiting sheep or even an attending sheep and become a sheep of this flock and this pasture because otherwise you are just bait for a wolf. And now Satan has a whole bag of tricks. The worst of them, the worst of Satan's tricks is the biggest sin, the sin that is the, at the core of every other sin, and that's the sin which made Satan fall and made Adam and Eve fall. Pride. Pride. Position pride. This guy Ananias and Sapphira wanted the attention and praise. Maybe they wanted a position in the church. Hey, I'd like to be a junior apostle. Look at me. Position pride. It manifests itself in a lot of ways in any church. Watch out for it. Here's a bad one. Preacher pride. Preacher pride. Hey, uh, uh, no, you got to call me Reverend Doctor. Oh, shut up. Your name's Bill. The Apostle Paul went around and he didn't go, thou must call me Apostle. Sometimes they did, but a lot of times they said, yo, Paul, what's up, Paul? I mean, Jesus, what they call Jesus? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Not Dr. Jesus. Jesus didn't have a special parking place for his chariot. Well, he didn't have a chariot. His burrow. <laughs> That's why we don't. That's why we don't. I've seen, I was going to take a picture, but I didn't have, you know, because I just have a flip phone. I went around, I was out, way out by Cortland, and there's this little church, I way out in the boonies, this little teeny church, and I pulled in there because I had to turn around because I forgot something, and there it is, right there, pastor's parking, first lady's parking, deacon chairman parking, deacon chairman wife parking, handicap. <laughs> something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. Preacher pride. Deacon pride is bad too. Deacons. Musician pride. Look at me. Look at me. That's one thing Shelby's, you know, he's on the lookout. If you get proud, come in here going, ah, I'll tell you what, I'm God's gift to churches. My song and my voice is like an angel. He probably won't put you up here. If you come humbly and you can make the grade, then we'll probably see you, amen? How about this pride? This some of you do it. Mm -mm -mm. You're sitting in my seat, pride. That's my seat. I always sit there. Shut up. It's not your seat. Your name is not on it. And those are my butt prints. Nope. Acts 5, verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Filled, the, the word filled is the Greek word pleruo, and it's the same exact word that is used in Ephesians 5, 18, when it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit of God. So what, what is he saying? You're not spirit-filled, you're Satan-filled. You're not spirit-filled, you're Satan-filled. Your, your dreams, your, your aspirations, your scheming, that's not from the Holy Spirit of God. That is from Satan. How about you? How about you? Can you say, John, I, I'm, I'm spirit-filled? Or maybe are you Satan-filled? 
Which leads to the third point in this amazing passage. When God's church is tested in the fire, here it comes. What are you going to do, Peter? What are you going to do? God somehow lets Peter know this dude's lying. I don't know if that was a supernatural thing or Peter just saw, yeah, I can read between the lines. Or if he knew something else, because I'm sure that, you know, there were probably whispers from the church folks. Hey, I know the guy he sold it to and he told me how much he paid. Old Ananias, is, I think he's holding something back, trying to make it look, you know, good. Like they gave everything they got for this land. However, Peter found out, he gets in his grill. When God's church is tested in the fire, you got some options. You can ignore it or confront it. You ignore it, God's fire leaves your church. He writes Ichabod over the door, which means the glory has departed. But when you do it right, sin is confronted. Sin is confronted. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the whole? I mean, he just got right in his face. Right in his face. And keep back that Greek word embezzle. He's not holding back. This is, this is a sin against God and a sin against God's church. And look at this. Ananias heard these words. He fell down and breathed his last. Now, I know I'm giving you a lot of Greek, but I had some fun this week. That's the Greek word ek, psycho. Say it, ek, psycho. Psycho means what? Our soul. <laughs> ek means what? Called out assembly, ecclesia, out. What is he saying? Out soul. Like you say in Duck Dynasty, he gone. <laughs> Breathe his last, ex cycle. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. After an interval, about three hours, his wife comes in, not knowing what happened. La di da, la di da. And Peter said to her, because she's still thinking, people think I'm amazing. We gave all this money. Peter said, hey, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, so much. And Peter said to her, how's it you've agreed to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last ex-psycho. She gone. Temptation for a lot of preachers is to go along to get along. Hey, we got a decent offering. You know, Peter could, hey, we got a decent offering from this guy. I mean, he didn't, you know, he held back some, but whatever. And we got a decent offering. And, 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 and you know, if we say anything, he might quit giving at all. And he's a pretty important guy, and we might get some more cash later. And, and he may get me into the Jerusalem Country Club where he's chairman of the board, but not our boy Peter. Peter's like, dude, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to do anything. This is a special offering. You didn't have to do a thing. Or you could have said, hey, we sold, you know, the land, but we had some debt, so we were given a portion of it. You know, we couldn't give it all because we had some big bills. Everybody had been cool with that. Everybody would have understood that. But no, you wanted to look like Barnabas, didn't you? You wanted to make folks talk about your amazing sacrifice. You wanted to be made deacon or whatever. You gone. John, why doesn't God do drop dead stuff nowadays? Are you sure he doesn't? Huh? <laughs> Here's one thing, though, for those of you that are worrying and checking your pulse. Whenever God is starting something new in the Bible, we see this. He sets the system parameters, if you will, the purity parameters. Adam and Eve, eat that tree, eat that tree, eat that tree, eat of that tree, and you will surely die. Passover, don't put blood on your doorpost, you will surely die. 
given the Ten Commandments. I'm going up the mountain. God's called me up the mountain. You touch the mountain, you will surely die. Coming into the promised land, take any of the spoils of this, my first fruit city out of 10, AI, and you will surely die. Now here's this new thing called the church. And God ain't playing. That's not to say, that's not to say that you're currently, just because you're living 2,000 years later, you're safe lying to God or stealing from God. Hebrews 10, this is a passage that ought to scare the pot out of you because it's written to Christians. We know the one who said, vengeance, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge who? His people. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. When you are offending God, it is, he said, Christians, Christians, it's a terrifying thing. Were you saying you don't go to hell? Not if you're really a Christian, but you may face some hell on earth. A lot of scholars think that Ananias and Sapphira were saved. They were really genuine, but sinning believers. The Bible talks about a sin unto death for Christians. That you're out so out of you, running so far and so fast, God goes, all right, I'm just going to kill you, bring you to heaven, because you are messing up everything down there. When God's church is tested in the fire, Satan's confounded. Acts 5, verse 11. A great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. And now many signs and wonders were, so this is afterward. Oh my goodness, oh, this is great fear. This is, uh, what is the Greek word? It's, uh, it's uh, great as what? Help me now, I lost it. Huh? Mag, yeah. What is it? Magos. Thank you. Fear is phobos. Megos phobos. Great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Now, many signs and wonders. So now God starts working again. We're done. More than ever, believers were added Oh, there it is again. To the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. Back to those problems as a young pastor I had. We had a wolf and then we had an embezzler and I had to, as a young pastor who'd never been taught in seminary how to handle any of these, had to confront it so we brought it to the church. And, and even as a young pastor, I knew from scripture, from this scripture, God's church was under fire. Satan was attacking two attacks from inside and we could either go along to get along and just kind of ignore it and lose God's grace and God's blessings or confront the sin. And so we confronted the sin. It was no fun. Talk about doing stuff you don't want to do. We had two different difficult business meetings, which is in, in the spirit of Matthew 18. First tell it to them. If they don't, you know, if they say no, you know, whatever, then you bring two or three others, you know, and then you try to get them. This, the, the, reconciliation's the goal, but if they say no, 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 then you bring it to the whole church, and if they say no to the church, then you put them out of the church. Another reason why we know there's membership, because how can you be put out of something that there's not anything to do with? Difficult business meeting. And the, the, the deacon said, oh man, Pastor John, I said, hey, guess what, boys? You're gonna be on the platform behind me. You're gonna be right there. You're agreeing to this? I'll lead it, but you're gonna be right there. And my dear wife sat in the front pew. I said, baby, what you doing? She goes, I'm supporting you, I'm showing I support you. We didn't let our kids come to it. It was no fun. We confronted sin. And one person was put out of the church, the wolf, and the other, six months later, when we found out about it, was confronted by the church as a thief. She said she was repenting. Said she was and then she left. 
Guess what God did, though, after that? I'm just, I was beat up. They sent me on a little vacation, you know, all they could afford. They sent me across the, the lake to, to Wisconsin. <laughs> hey, go over to Wisconsin. <laughs> Went over there, I'm like, ah. So, guess what God did, though? He sent what some people there called revival. People started coming. All of a sudden, just kind of a flood of people. Trusting Jesus, getting baptized, giving sacrificially. In that little country church, we went from 60-ish people, counting men, women, boys, girls, and family pets, to right at 200, little country church out of the middle of nowhere when we left. I'm not bragging on, I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God, because I didn't know what I was doing. The deacon said, well, what are we going to do about this? I said, I don't know. I've never been trained this, but I'm just going to get in the Bible and figure it out. And then we found what the Bible said. I'm like, that's pretty rough. And we did it, and God blessed Went into a church renovation project, the first they'd ever had in 40 years since they built it. Brought on another pastor, started multiple services, had tons of folks come to Jesus, get baptized, join and grow. God lit on fire by God's Holy Spirit. John, you've been here for 25 years, man. You've been in ministry for 36 years. Hey, John, when are you going to pack it in and head to the villages down in Florida? <laughs> nah. If, at least not to the villages, <laughs> if God keeps on doing what he's doing here, you know, if he keeps pouring on his blessings, you, you, you want to get rid of me, you're going to have to tase me down and tie me up and truck me out. I love being a part of what God is doing here at Point Harbor. And I'm praying for at least, I am, I'm praying for 10 years more. God, give me 10 years more. 10 years, 10 years of folks trusting Jesus, 10 years of families getting baptized, marriages being reconciled, sermons being preached, lives being changed, prayers being answered, addicts getting sober, churches being planted, pastors being trained, Satan being confounded. So join me, hey, join me. Final application admonition, don't lie to God. Write it down on your thing. Don't lie to God. If you are lying to God, stop it. What do you mean lying to God? Don't say you love Jesus when you're put in his church that he died for in second place. That's a lie. He doesn't take lying lightly. Don't say you love God when you aren't obeying his word by joining, by giving, by serving. Don't say you love God. Quit lying. Here's, here's the thing. Start living. You say you love Start living the loving, amen. Start living the loving. God, I pray that you will do a work in our hearts and fix some of us. Lord, some of us have been lying to you or lying to others. Lord, you, you're pretty serious about that. So I pray, God, that you would help us to get it right right now. Right now, some of you just need to say, Lord, please forgive me and name why he should forgive you, what your sin is. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for not being a member, for, for just downplaying membership and thinking, yeah, whatever. Forgive me for downplaying giving and just, when you were, you loved, so loved the world, you gave your best. And I'm giving squat, Lord. Forgive me. I can't say I love you and not give. I just can't. Lord, let us always be a church on fire of your Holy Spirit 
let the time never come when we are not an amazing church anymore, but just a museum or even worse, a mausoleum. Burn a fire in us. Fill us with your spirit. Individually and corporately as your church point harbor. And all of God's people said, amen, amen.